Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. One of the things that my wife brought into our marriage relationship was a cat by the name of Harry. Now, I've never had cats in my life, but I knew the package deal. I get Gabby, I get Harry. And so Harry came in our life, and we loved Harry. And I have to say something about Harry. Harry was actually a female. So we decided that we better have Harry fixed, or we'll have a lot of little Harrys running around uh, in, in the world. So we, we got Harry fixed, but to make matters more complicated, Harry was used to kind of, she's an inside cat, but she also went outside. So she was an inside-outside cat. And so we had just moved from an apartment to a new to a rental house. And so she wasn't real familiar with the rental house. So as a cat would normally do, they kind of find a place to hide. Well, every time we let Harry outside, she'd run up and get inside of the engine of my 68 Chevy pickup. And she would get up into it. And so we would come out and we would bang on the hood, tell him it's time to get out. And we did that one Sunday morning, bang on the hood, thinking that Harry got out, I cranked up the engine, and Harry was still in the engine. And she decided to make a beeline out through the van. Well, to make matters worse, she did not die instantly. Uh, she lounged around the, the car, the truck, and we went and cradled her and picked her up and uh, put her in the, in the car and we tried to find a veterinarian to help us to put her to sleep. And uh, there was no veterinarian in our city that was open on a Sunday. Uh, and so we had to go to the next town over 10, 15 minutes away, find a veterinarian that would put our dear Harry to sleep. You talk about sadness. My wife was sad. She was devastated. I killed her cat. Uh, you know, she was devastated. And no matter what I did, she could not find happiness. No matter what I, no matter what I did, she could not overcome her sorrow. So I said, why don't you pack it up? I'll take you down to Haverty's. And I bought her a new couch and a new love seat. Now, now we needed a couch and we needed a love seat. But, you know, I said, this would be a good opportunity to get her mind off of that. So I went down and bought a new couch, a new love seat, and we even got a picture of a cat. And we still have it on our wall. That's one of her prized possessions, uh, the cat picture. And suddenly she was happy. She was over, able to overcome her sadness, her sorrow, because I was able to occupy her time with something else. And unfortunately, this is the way many of us deal with sadness today. You see, it's better to have something that, to distract us than have something that might painfully destroy us. There's too many hurts in the world. That there's too many things that bring sorrow. There's too many things in the world that bring sadness to our lives. So what do we do when we, we're facing sorrow? We're facing sadness. You know, we go off to the movies. We go to the store. We go to the pool. We go to the lake. Uh, we go to the ball game, or we go to the party, or we go to the furniture store. We go anywhere, any place that will distract us so that we don't have to deal with the sorrow, so that we don't have to deal with the sadness. We go off to almost anything, as long as we don't have to deal with it. You know, David was the same way. The Bible records this 
In Psalm 55, verses 6 through 8, David said this. In a, in, a, in a moment of despair, in a moment of sadness, he wrote, I said, all that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. David wanted to get away from the sorrowful experience, from the sadness in his life. And that's what many of us do. We're running from our sadness. We're running from our sorrow. But then Jesus comes along and says that real happiness does not mean the absence of sorrow. In fact, what does Jesus say? He said, blessed, oh, how happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How happy are those in the midst of sadness, because they will experience comfort. It seems like such a contradiction, doesn't it? The world says, be sad, be sorrowful. Jesus comes along and says, no, be happy. Rejoice, celebrate, be blessed in that situation. Look at what he says as we continue our series on In Pursuit of the Elusive Butterfly. By now, you know, that's the butterfly of happiness. Just when you think you got it, you don't have it. So today we look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, under the heading, Finding Happiness in Sadness. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now the type of mourning that Jesus is talking about in this passage is not the kind of mourning that I feel when my cowboys lose a football game. I'm sad, but I'm not mourning it. It's not the kind of mourning I feel when, and I hope this, this illustration works for some of you, when at the end of the month my checkbook doesn't balance. Does that ring a bell for anybody? And I know very few people even the checkbook. What's that? You know, that's a thing you use to keep track of the money that you spend. You better be can't keep track of the money you're spending. Okay, so when the checkbook doesn't balance, it's not you know, that kind of, of sadness that we're talking about. It's not the kind of mourning when, when I know that I've disappointed a friend or I, maybe I've hurt somebody. That's not what the kind of mourning is talking about. The kind of mourning that Jesus is talking about is mourning of, 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 of the dead. It's a passionate lament of a broken heart. It's one of intense sorrow. And Jesus comes along and says, happy are those who mourn like this. Happy are those who have this intense sorrow. So the question we have to ask as we look at Jesus' words, we ask the question, why are these individuals to be considered happy? Why are they to be celebrated because they mourn in such a way? The first thing we understand is that when they mourn like this, it reveals they are sensitive enough to hurt. They are sensitive enough to hurt. You know, it's not easy to hurt these days. If you, if you stop and think about it, it's not easy because we have numerous things today to keep us from suffering. We have many things today that keep us from experiencing sadness in our life. We have psychologists or psychiatrists to solve our mental problems. We have pastors to absolve our guilt. We have doctors to heal our diseases. We have insurance agents to, keep, to take away our worries. And we have the Surgeon General who's going to save our lungs. And of course we have fitness gurus who take away our flab. Uh, we have a, a lot of things out there that take away sorrow and sadness. We also have things that help us to stay separated from suffering as well. Things that uh, help us, like we live in comfortable neighborhoods. 
We don't have to worry about crime and, and problems if we live in a comfortable neighborhood. Or maybe we, we have hospitals to take care of our sick. We have nursing homes to take care of our elderly. We have funeral homes to take care of our dead. As a matter of fact, it could be that deliverance of sadness may be the most prolific business in the world today. All those things out there that are designed to help us get away from sadness. How many of you have been to Disneyland? Okay. How about Six Flags? Been to Six Flags? Okay. Did you know at Disneyland and Six Flags, they have people that their job is simply to walk around and sweep up garbage? That's it. You just don't find garbage at Disneyland and Six Flags. It's just not there. Why do they do that? Because nobody can be happy around a bunch of garbage. Nobody really experiences happiness around a bunch of garbage. So, so, so they have people just there to sweep up the garbage. And the truth of the matter is, listen, there is garbage in the world. Whether we like it or not, the world is full of garbage. There is suffering in the world. There is sadness in the world. There is mourning in the world. But then Jesus comes along and He said, Blessed are those who mourn. Oh, how happy are those who experience this. Why? Because they reveal that they are sensitive enough to hurt. They reveal that they have sensitive hearts. Let's take this to the next step. So they reveal they have sensitive hearts. The next step is they allow it to penetrate their lives and then they show they are children of God. So they're sensitive enough to hurt, but then they show they are children of God. Can I be honest with you? Not everything... Not every sad thing that happens in the world causes me sadness. It doesn't cause me sorrow. You know, I can listen on the news about those suffering from the coronavirus in China. I'm sad. Didn't really shake me up too much. You know, I can listen about some war in some country. It's sad. I listen to it. I can hear about a six-year-old girl who was murdered. And I'm sad, but it doesn't really... Shake me up. You know, there's a, there's a, I, I can hear about that and I shake my head over the tragedies of life. But you know what I can do after that? I can get up out of my chair. I can go in the kitchen. I can pour me a cup of coffee. I can pet my dog's head and go back and sit down and have him phase me a bit. It's like water on the back of a duck. It just doesn't phase me. And the fact of the matter is, we can't live in a world if every sad and sorrowful story affects us. We can't function that way. We can't do it. We would never be able to leave our home. We would never walk outside if that's the way it was. Not everything causes sadness in my life. We cannot function that way. But at the same time, when somebody comes in my office and says, Pastor, I'm struggling in my marriage and I can't put it back together, I'm sorrowful. I'm sorrowful. When an individual says that their child that grew up in the church has walked away from the church and walked away from God, my heart breaks. My heart breaks. When I hear about a, a Christian, a new Christian who's accepted Jesus as Savior but refused to make him Lord of their life, my heart breaks. My heart breaks. When I know of churches that are complacent and they're apathetic about sin and about the lost condition of the neighbors, my heart breaks. 
My heart breaks. When I hear about Christians who have misplaced priorities, they chase after all the wrong things, my heart breaks. My heart breaks. And the church just goes through the motions. My heart breaks. And my heart breaks when someone experiences a tragedy or an illness. I mourn. My heart breaks. And when that happens, I don't feel very happy. But according to Jesus, I am. According to Jesus, he said, blessed are those who mourn. Oh, how happy are those who mourn. Why? Why is that? Because they show that they are children of God. When they mourn in this way, when the hurt slices through us, we are being true to our heritage as children of God. You know, the scripture says that Jesus revealed the character of God. In fact, there is no greater revelation of God than the one revealed in Jesus Christ. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. What God has shown us through Jesus is showing us not a God who is separated from the sufferings and the sadness of the world, but just the opposite. This is why we see that Jesus is profoundly impacted by the sadness and the sorrow in the world. That's why we see Jesus standing over Jerusalem and weeping for Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if, if only you had known, if only you had known what we could bring you. But you rejected it. And he wept over Jerusalem. It's the same Jesus that wept at the grave of Lazarus. It's the same Jesus that wept and experienced the sorrow and the sadness with Mary and Martha. It's the same Jesus who had compassion for the homeless and the helpless and the hopeless. It's the same one who, had, who mourned for them and had compassion for these individuals. And it's the same Jesus taking the sadness of the world upon himself and dying of a broken heart upon a Roman cross. The Bible says this about Jesus. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And according to Jesus, blessed are those who mourn like this. Why? Because they prove themselves to be children of God. They prove themselves to be children of God. So they're, they're, they're sensitive to hurt. They show themselves to be children of God. Third, they are more likely to become instruments of God's healing in the world. When they mourn, when they hurt like this, this transforms their tears into action. It transforms what they're experiencing into real life action to try to solve the problems. Every hospital, every healthcare organization that was created, somebody looked at a situation and said, I want to fix that. I want to solve that. Every food bank that was started, somebody saw the need to help hungry people, so they created a food bank. Every clothes closet that was created was set up to alleviate a need. They saw a need, they grieved, they mourned, and said, I'm going to fix this. 
Every school that was started, after school program started, they saw a need that we're going to fix this. We see this going on. As a matter of fact, every social service agency ever started was because somebody saw a need and they wanted to fix it. They wanted to solve it. Someone, it was someone who grieved over a human need and they grieved enough to fix the situation. They were willing to do the hard work of making a difference. That's why when you go back to the history of the, of the world, you discover a man by the name of Martin Luther. And Martin Luther grieved over the erosion of simple faith in God's grace. And from his, from his passion, from his grief, he started the Protestant Reformation. You, you think of an individual like William and, and, and Carrie Booth. Who the, they mourned the conditions of the poor in the streets of London. And from that they created the Salvation Army. You think of a man by the name of Robert Rakes. Who looked at the children who worked six days a week in the labor force. And they weren't able to go to school. And from that grief, from that sorrow. He started the modern Sunday school movement. To give children lessons on Sundays. Then you have a man such as William Carey who looked at the plight of the lost around the world, and he said, I will go out and I will reach them. And out of his grief, out of his sorrow for a lost in a dying world, he started the modern missionary movement. And to think of a man by the name of Martin Luther King, he grieved over what he saw as racial injustice in the world. And from that movement, from that grief that he had, he started the modern civil rights movement. You think of a woman by the name of Candy Leitner who grieved the loss of her daughter to a drunk driver and she created MADD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. The point is when you allow grief to overcome you and you allow sorrow to overcome you, you say, I want to do something to solve that. And you put your grief and you put your sorrow to work. Now according to Jesus, when you mourn like that, when you grieve like that, when you have sorrow like that, He says you are happy. You are blessed. Why? Because you are hurting enough to do something about it. You're hurting enough to do something about it. I'm so grateful that Jesus comes into that situation. Jesus comes to the one for whom things are going badly. I've witnessed this time and time again. He says, for they will be comforted. At least the third truth or the fourth truth. We've talked about it. we talked about how you, uh, you're sensitive to hurt. We've talked about how it shows you to be children of God. And it talks about how you become instruments of God's healing in the world. But ultimately, the ultimate reason is that God will comfort you. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They will be comforted. Jesus comes to the one that things are going badly. And I've witnessed this time and time again, as I said previously, I've witnessed it time and time again. Those experiencing crushing grief, their surprising peace and even startling joy that comes above them. As a pastor, I've had the privilege and I've had the pain of sitting with families in anguish over the death of a loved one. I remember one particular situation, and I can 
kept multiple stories, but one particular situation we were sitting in the the home of the family and we were planning the funeral service. Telling them, you know, what scripture they liked, what songs they wanted to sing. And we were just talking and there's just an air of sadness and sorrow over the family. And then suddenly over the corner, somebody remembered a story about their loved one. And they told this story and you see a smile come across their face. And a little snicker over here in this corner. And suddenly in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the sadness, joy came to the family. To the family. I remember another time in, in a funeral where I conducted the funeral. And it was a, a young man who died too early. Too early. And it's, there was a, a, a heaviness in the room as we mourned the loss of this young man. And at the end of the service, we all joined hands across the aisle and we held hands and we sang, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And suddenly in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the sadness, there was a, a prospect of joy. There was hope that this wasn't the end of this young man's life. It was just the beginning of eternity for him. It was the beginning of a new life for him and there was comfort and there's grace. And I remember those words, blessed are those who mourn. But they will be comforted. They will be comforted. Who can understand how it works? Who can understand how God does it? But that's what, it, that's what sorrow does. Sorrow comes. It pierces the soul. And it cuts through our protective defenses. And it leaves us exposed. And it leaves us vulnerable. But then just when we're exposed, just when we're vulnerable, joy slips in and we find happiness. In the most unusual places, we find happiness. And simply put, it is better to mourn, to have your heart ripped out and stomped to bits by the spike wounds of tragedy, than never to mourn and miss the comfort. The God revealed through Jesus Christ and present in the power of the Holy Spirit, He comes to the broken places and He holds the loose ends together with His powerful love. One of the most maligned individuals in the Bible is a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. Church tradition says that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Church tradition says that she was the woman caught in adultery that Jesus spared the humiliation of being stoned. But really, to be honest, we don't know a whole lot about her other than what the Scripture tells us. Everything else is conjecture, hypothesis. But what we do know about Mary Magdalene is she was a faithful follower of Jesus. She was one of the most devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And she was, had the courage of a great mourner. She was faithful to the very end. She mourned as the local authorities accused Jesus of blasphemy and rebellion. She mourned as they led him out the gates of Jerusalem. She mourned as they drove the nails into his feet and into his hands. She mourned as he cried out in agony, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. She groaned and moaned in agony. She grieved. 
And she grieved when he bowed his head and said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And she mourned. The disciples couldn't handle it. Peter did They ran. They ran from the hurt. They ran from the sorrow. They ran from the emotion. They, they ran from the horror of the whole scene. But Mary stayed with her grief. Even when they took him down, she stayed with her grief and wiped his body. What did she do? Early the next morning, early that morning, she got up and went to the tomb where Jesus was laid. Much like a widow will go into the bedroom and look at the side of the bed where her loved one lay and realize he's not there. Or much like a father will go into the bedroom of a child who's no longer there because they passed away and they grieved. Mary went to the last place Jesus was, gripped in her grief, gripped in her sorrow. And through those dark, lonely streets, she walked. She stayed with her sadness. She stayed with her grief. She stayed with her suffering. And she did not run from it. She allowed the, the death of Jesus and she was, she was drawn into the pain and she was drawn into the tragedy of His death. You know what happened next? You know what happened next? Who was the first person Jesus saw? Who was the first person that Jesus comforted that day? Mary. Mary who stayed with her grief until Jesus came and said, Mary, it is I. It is I. Mary, who stayed with her grief. It was her who felt the comforting presence of God in her life. Mary, who stayed with her grief and stayed with her sorrow until the comfort The question I ask you this morning is can you find <clears throat> happiness in the midst of your sadness? Can you find happiness in the midst of your sorrow? According to Jesus, you're blessed. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What you discover is that your comfort comes from the one who gives true happiness. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He understands. He knows. All you have to do is turn your eyes to Jesus and look full in His wonderful face. And as the old hymn says, and the things of this world Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this world become dim in the light of His glory and grace.
Will you come to Jesus? Will you experience the fullness that He has to give you in the midst of your sadness, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your grief? Jesus will bless you. And Jesus will comfort you. And He comes to you today and He said, Blessed are you. Blessed are you when you mourn, when you grieve, for you will be comforted. In a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. The praise teams are going to make their way up, sing one last song. Maybe you're here today and you're hurting. You know, I don't know what's going on in your life. And I'm going to be honest with you right now, I can't fix your problems. I just can't do it. All I can do, my dear friends, is point you to the one that can fix your problems. I can love you, I can pray for you, but I can't fix your problems. But there is one, there is one who can fix your problems. So whatever your experience in your life, whatever difficulty, whatever sorrow, or whatever grief you might be experiencing, come to Jesus. Let Him heal your broken heart. Let Him bring you comfort. Let Him give you grace and mercy. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. Maybe you need somebody to talk to you. We're here for you if you need to come. If not, gather around the deacon. Gather around somebody. They'll pray with you. Gather with somebody next to you. Just ask them to pray with you. You don't need me to pray for you. I will. But we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're here for each other. This is not, a, this is not about one person. This is about all of us wrapping our loving arms around you so that we can be the body of Christ to you, wherever you are. So whatever situation you're going through, if you need somebody to pray, we will pray for you. You need just to talk to somebody. If you just need to cry with somebody, we'll cry with you. That's what we're here to do. Because we have a Savior. We have a Lord. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But that same one who is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, became the one who overcame sorrow. He became the one that overcame grief. He's the one that overcame death. And he overcame sin. And through him, you can have life to the fullest. Won't you come? As we stand together, as I lead us in prayer, and Aaron leads us, Father God, we come before you. Asking you, God, to touch our hearts this morning. We need to sense your presence. We need to sense your power. Father, we need your comforting presence to fall upon us during this time. Touch our hearts. Heal our hurts. And Father, use us in the midst of our grief to change the world around us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.